It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello everyone, I'm Chris Wynn. Welcome to the Walker Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen where we now know our fate and we are of course looking ahead to Sunderland's sixth playoff campaign as we look for our first successful playoff campaign victory if you don't include 1990 which is all a bit weird and actually involved our playoff opponents because uh, that's who we replaced in the top flight. Being the playoffs in Sunderland it means the inevitable existential crisis in the build-up for Sunderland but our opponents over two legs in the semi-final is Sheffield Wednesday. And to help us build up to that first leg of the Stadium of Light, we have the company of a very familiar voice to people in South Yorkshire through his role on BBC Radio Sheffield, where I doubt there is a side in South Yorkshire he hasn't covered or doesn't know inside out. Uh, so we're very pleased to welcome Rob Staden. Hello, Rob. Hi, thanks for the invite. Yeah, looking forward to what should be a very interesting playoff semi-final. It's a shame it's not a final because I think Wembley would be a tremendous place to be if it was Sunderland against Sheffield Wednesday in the final. I don't think it's been quite the same whether they're playing either Wickham or the Milton Keynes Dons in the final. But, um, you know, the atmosphere at the Stadium of Light in Hillsborough is going to be pretty good. I've said that since last day of the season because uh, it's not it's not going to be the same, is it? Because Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, two huge clubs. And you can you can picture it. Whoever wins this one will pack out Wembley in terms of selling their tickets. But MK Dons and Wickham, you can imagine the other end being kind of half full, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, and Sheffield Wednesday had that last time they were at Wembley. You know, in 2016, they played Hull City, who got promoted to the Premier League. And, you know, I was there and the Wednesday end was, you know, it was absolutely packed out. They sold 40,000 tickets. They could have sold more. Um, they had They held up you know, placards before the end and it said owls all across the, the Sheffield Wednesday end. There were balloons everywhere. And then you looked across to the other side and I think there was about 15 blokes there for Hull City. And, you know, <laughs> or maybe many of them had come as red seats. Um, and, you know, they've got a little bit of a dispute going on with the owners, obviously, that's well publicised and, and many of them were staying away at the time. But um, it, was still, it still wasn't a great look. And then when Wednesday got to the playoff final in 2006, they played Hartlepool. And again, that was at the Millennium Stadium. The, the Wednesday end was full, 40,000 fans. Hartlepool took, I, don't, you know, I, I want to say about 10,000, 15,000. Mm-hmm. And the other end was, was empty. So it looked comparatively empty. So um, I think something's going to happen very similar again. I don't know how many fans the MK Dons would take to Wembley. I don't know uh, what that would be like. I've been to many of their home games where there's not been anybody there. And Wickham, you know, they've, they've got a very passionate but small fan base. So, um, yeah, shame that it's not Wednesday, Sunderland at Wembley, because that would be a sellout, electric atmosphere, two great sets of fans, you know, making plenty of noise. It would be a fitting final. And also perhaps a bit sad that the two clubs are having to, you know, play that final in League One. Yeah, yeah. So, as I said, you're a, you're a familiar voice on uh, BBC Radio Sheffield for people like myself who live in in South Yorkshire, um, so regularly hear your analysis on the on the local sides. So yeah, I just wanted to mention this week you had an interview with uh, Neil Warnock, who sounded in in good form, um, and I imagine he had some Barnsley fans thinking what could have been this season. Yeah, uh, he said on the air that he would have probably taken the Barnsley job if it was offered a few weeks ago, and he was linked. You know, there was a period in the season when we were talking, you know, fans were ringing up saying, "What's this about a Warnock rumor?" And there were some rumors <laughs> that Warnock uh, would would have been interested or whether he'd been approached or what but um, it's too late now I mean the thing about Neil is that Neil went in at Rotherham United a few years ago and they were in a a complete lost cause 
And even when Neil took over, I think they lost the first couple of games that he was in charge. You know, he, he may have shared a lift with some of the local journalists after a defeat at Reading and said, what am I doing here as a joke? <laughs> um, but then uh, managed to turn it around, you know, and they, they got a couple of results. They were 3-0 down against Derby in one game and scored three times in the last eight minutes to get a draw. You know, they completely, it was a miracle really that he kept them up. And um, given how close it ended up being between Barnsley and Reading, uh, you know, at one point, who would have bet against Neil keeping them up uh, if it had got in there, his old club? But uh, no, it's not happened. Uh, Barnsley are back in League One. And um, I think they face a big challenge now because League One next season is going to be very challenging. I mean, one of Sheffield Wednesday and Sunderland will be in League One next season. So will one of MK Dons and Wickham. So will your Ipswiches, your Portsmouths, your Oxfords, your Plymouths, who are missing out, Charlton, just sack the manager. I mean, it, you would imagine it's going to be a really tough division next year to, to go into. You're raising the stakes and we haven't even getting into it yet, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but ju- just looking uh, from the games you, you've covered on BC Radio Sheffield, I mean, you seem to be assigned to Sheffield Wednesday more often than, than most of the others, but how much do you get spread around in terms of the all the other South Yorkshire clubs in terms of the, the coverage throughout the season? Yeah, I mean, we try and spread it out. I, I have probably watched mostly Wednesday and Rotherham over the last sort of two or three months. Um, I've not done a Sheffield United game in a long time, but it's, that's not for any reason other than it's just the way that it's fallen with who's working where. And, you know, we try not to, we try, there's three of us, we try to make sure that nobody's doing all the away trips. Um, we try and spread them out as, as evenly as we can. Um, so I have done a lot of Wednesday. I've, I've done a lot of Rotherham. I've seen a lot of League One. Uh, I've, I've done the last three Sheffield Wednesday games. So I've got a decent idea of where they're at at the moment. Uh, as, as, as as you can with Wednesday because they're a pretty unpredictable team uh, at times. I guess the same is probably the case for Sunderland as well. And um, yeah, I think it's been an interesting division. I mean, it's obviously the points you've needed to get into the playoffs is is pretty incredible, isn't it? And, um, you know, I was working in Hull last year, so I covered Hull City and they won the title. And um, sort of seeing what they went through to win the title, I think it's been a much harder League One season this year um, to to get promoted or get yourself into positions and get promoted because there's just been a sort of a, like an elite seven teams, eight teams maybe, who have been, you know, battling it out. And uh, I think whoever gets up in the playoffs, they'll have, they'll have, they'll have earned it by the time they get to, to that point and get into the championship. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting from a South Yorkshire point of view if Sheffield United don't go up and they're joined by Rotherham and... And Sheffield Wednesday, that would <laughs> make it a, a an interesting season for you next year, though. Yeah, it certainly would. Um, and, you know, obviously everyone in the region wants uh, everyone to have success. But um, if Sheffield United don't get promoted, when I, mean, I say everyone in the region, obviously I don't, I'm not speaking there about Wednesday United fans. Uh, they don't want each other yeah. to have success. Let's say from, from within sort of a neutral sports team, you want everyone to have success. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Sheffield United don't win the playoffs, in the championship, which will be a you know big ask. It's a very competitive uh, playoff situation. Although having seen what Luton did the other night, you'd, you'd perhaps think maybe not so much in their case um, if they get there. Um, yeah, I, I think with with Forest there and with uh, and the way that they've been playing and Huddersfield are kind of like the surprise team as they were when they got promoted to the Premier League in the past. Um, but that, to an extent, is a weird one. The fact that Huddersfield are up there again. You know, the fact that Huddersfield could essentially have had two stints in the Premier League within the sort of the, the recent past. Whereas for Sheffield Wednesday, it's been 22 years since they're in the Premier League. In those 22 years, they've, they've essentially had one playoff final defeat. And that's as close as they've come to getting back to the Premier League. And Sunderland, if you don't mind me saying, almost feel in a similar place to Sheffield Wednesday have been for the last sort of 20 odd years in that um, the journey back has, has, has been harder than it has been for some other teams. You know, when Leicester and Norwich and, and, and others, Southampton have gone down to League One they've, they've, and Wolves, they've tended to sort of get back into the championship, right the ship and then have their turn at going up. Whereas for some reason, you know, Wednesday, Forest and now seemingly Sunderland and, you know, one or two others, Coventry, obviously their circumstances are a little bit different. They've never quite been able to do that. And I do find that fascinating a little bit strange I wonder whether that's a, a review of the people running clubs as, as opposed to anything else um, as to why that's not happened yeah it is amazing with all those 
big clubs in in League One at the moment. Um, there's got to be a reason for it somewhere. But uh, but let's let's get into the Sheffield Wednesday season. Um, and of course, like Darren Moore had a bit of a mess to sort out after relegation last season. So, I mean, going back to to you know all those moons ago when the season kicked off. Um, what were the expectations you know last summer? I mean, was the thoughts that he'd need a season to turn the squad over, or was all the talk about bouncing straight back? What tends to happen at Sheffield Wednesday is everybody convinces themselves over the summer that everything's marvellous and that it's going to be a season of glory. I mean, we, we see it every year. You know, so, so I've got a lot of friends in the media. I, I hope that there were friends anyway. I, and I hope well, I'll be saying that whenever Sheffield Wednesday signs sort of six or seven players, they get talked up as if they've signed, you know, the Galacticos. And then the season kicks <laughs> off and we realise that they're not the Galacticos after all. They're, they're the players who've signed for League One Club. And... I think when the season began, it was, oh, they've got this player and they've got that player and they've got this player. And wow, you know, this, the, the squad's really strong. And I actually, when the season kicked off, the squad actually looked really unbalanced, imbalanced. You know, it didn't, they had a lot of the same kind of player. They had like a, a ridiculous number of wide players. Um, they had, you know, lots of options in central midfield, but, you know, they, they didn't have a left-footed centre-half and yet there seemed to be sort of, a, a you know, a preference to play with one. So, you know, they didn't really have enough defenders. So people like Liam Palmer, who's a right back, started playing in the centre-half. And Marvin Johnson, who was, you know, a winger, attack-minded winger, suddenly was playing left centre-half. And they were sort of mixing players in and trying to fit players in. And they were also, at the start of the season, passing it out from the back. And I don't know whether Sunderland did this at the start of the season or what, but there seemed to be this... Um, almost this pandemic going across football clubs in the outside of the Premier League, whereby... If you had a goal kick, you had to position two centre-halves on the edge of the six-yard box. The goalkeeper had to play it short. You had to then encourage pressure inside your own penalty area and try and pass your way out, which, you know, the number of times on a commentary would say, that's all well and good if if you're passing it to Kevin De Bruyne, uh, you know, on the second level, and he can maybe turn someone and get you going, or Phil Foden. When you're sort of passing it to League One centre-half, who's suddenly got a man breathing down his neck inside his own penalty area, deep in his own penalty area. And the number of times Wednesday nearly conceded a goal doing that. And then you sort of watch other teams. And I think there was a, a game involving Derby where they let one in um, doing that exact same thing. And they've kind of, I think teams have weaned themselves off that now and have kind of thought, well, that's probably not the best. It's better just to get the ball downfield. At least then you're not giving it away in your own box. So there was a lot of that going on. They chuck points away Wednesday. You know, they've really, you know, all teams will be able to do this. Everybody can every year sort of go down the list of games where that's two points dropped, that's a point dropped, that's three points dropped. You know, there was a game against Ipswich where Wednesday pretty much controlled the game. It was in the first sort of five or six games of the season. It was still warm. You didn't have to wear a coat to the game. That's how I measured things. Um, We were there at Ipswich. Paul Cook was still the Ipswich manager. He's now at Chesterfield. Um, And Wednesday, 1-0. It's it's the 30 seconds left of stoppage time. Keeper's got the ball in his hand. Bailey Peacock, Farrell. You know, there's a Ipswich player lurking behind him. He's putting the ball down and there's a collective gasp from the entire away end because everyone can see that as soon as he drops that ball down to kick it long, the Ipswich player is going to sneak behind him, nick it off his toe and score. That happens. It's two points thrown away. They went to places like Wimbledon and were 2-0 up and drew 2-2. They would let late goals in. Um, they couldn't hold on to leads. They had games at home where... Um, they've got a good record at home, but it could have been even better, maybe. Um, and, and Wednesday, perhaps more than any other team, can look through the schedule and go, yeah, do you know what? We probably should have been closer towards the top two than, than they were in the end because they did chuck so many points away. But they got it right. You know, they had a real wobble over Christmas when they got absolutely hammered at Sunderland. And, you know, we may talk about my personal experience that game, which um, was interesting. Um but they went there and when that happened, you, it, it felt like the floor was going to fall out of the team. And in fairness to Darren Moore and the players, they have, they've got their act together. They sorted things out and, and they went on the kind of run, which has put them in a, in a position where they are now, where they are a really strong contender in the playoffs. But um, they are also, I, I would say, and I don't know if you think this is the same with Sunderland, Sheffield Wednesday could win on Friday 3-0 and, I, and it wouldn't surprise me. It also wouldn't surprise me if they lost 3-0. Um, I mean, anything could anything could probably happen in this game. You know, they can't defend set pieces. The headed set pieces they really struggle with. They've let in some really daft goals. 
but they score lots of goals. You know, they've scored, I think in the, in the calendar year 2022, they are amongst the top scorers in the Football League. So, you know, they are a real threat going forward, but they are susceptible sometimes at the back. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny, a lot of things you said there, you know, ring ring true for Sunderland, you know, the, the, the results that you look back, the daft goals you concede, you know, the, the last minute goals and all this sort of stuff. And again, I think the Sunderland fans have got exactly the same thoughts about us. Maybe could, could we have challenged for that top two if we'd uh, just held out in a couple of the games or been on form? But uh, but yeah, and, and again, kind of looking at the, the results over the course of the season for Sheffield Wednesday, I think you, you, you kind of touched on it there, but if you just look at them, a big list of the results, it looks like a season of two halves, really. I mean, you mentioned that uh, that, that kind of Christmas um, run of form that they had. But before Christmas, I think that they lost four out of 23, um, but at the same time drew 10 of those games, which meant they were kind of clinging on to the coattails of the playoffs. And then after Christmas, they lost five out of the 23, but they only drew three times. So they managed to turn those draws into, into getting maximum points after Christmas. I mean, was was there a kind of a, a big change around Christmas time um, where they, they kind of changed the way they set up or something like that? Or was it just a case of getting the rub of the green after Christmas? Well, I think what one of the things that really hurt Wednesday is they went to Crew and won 2-0. And I can remember off the back of that game and I did it. You know, I mean, obviously Crew was struggling, so it wasn't as if anybody read too much into that. Um, but it, it did feel a little bit like maybe... This was Wednesday, you know, starting to move and creep in the right direction. They'd won at Accrington. They'd beat the MK Dons and played quite well in that game. They should have beaten Wickham at Hillsborough, but it was an entertaining game. Um, they, they probably chucked a couple of points away there. They went to Portsmouth and the goalkeeper had a great game and, and, and they got a decent draw. It felt like a decent draw at the time. And then they beat Crew. And then you were sort of looking at Christmas and thinking, there's some big games coming up here. What an opportunity. And then, like half the league at the time it was then covid so they didn't play for i mean i'm looking here they, they played crew on the 11th and the next game was sunderland on the 30th so it was like 19 days without a game they had positive tests um when they got to sunderland for that game it felt like a really significant game they just got so many players out injured or absent with covid or whatever it was um, that was keeping them out, and they were they were not in any shape or form ready to go and play Sunderland, who I think, if memory serves, at the time were in good form, or you know they felt like the old Wednesday one after losing at Hillsborough the way they did, and um, it was it was five going on ten nil, you know, and um, and then Wednesday went to Shrewsbury. I didn't see that game. Um, I was uh, I was following it closely on. Twitter and I was actually in Northampton for a rugby game that day and uh, I was driving back and I managed to get the phone in in the car on the way home and Wednesday fans were not happy you know there was a lot of talk about Darren Moore's job about where the team was going you know I think at that point if you'd have asked Wednesday fans about promotion they'd have said no chance and they had essentially two weeks after that you know so they had those 19 day break hammered by Sunderland lost at Shrewsbury who this was not the Shrewsbury that towards the end of the season had really right to their ship. This was Shrewsbury that were struggling. Um, they'd lost those two games and people wondering what was going to happen. In a two-week break, they came back and beat Plymouth 4-2. And everyone's thinking, okay, they're back on it again. And then they go to Oxford and I did the Oxford game, which is before I got COVID. And the Oxford game, they, they dominated the game for an hour. You know, they're 2-1 up, scored a couple of cracking goals. They're looking really strong and they chucked it away. They lose 3-2. So after the game, it's gone from uh, Wednesday looking good, they're back on form now to having to ask Darren Moore about his job after the game. So it was, it's was it been that kind of season. And then they went and beat Ipswich, they beat Morecambe, they beat Burton, they beat Wigan. They're back on form again. You know, they win four straight off the back of that. You don't, They're really unpredictable. And having won four straight off the back of that and really sort of pushing on and motoring again, they then played Rotherham, dominated Rotherham for 90 minutes, lost 2-0. You know, Rotherham, I think, had two shots, got two goals. Rod Wednesday missed a whole bunch of chances. Um, and they lost that game. But then... So, so that's a crisis again. But then they come back and beat Doncaster, beat Charlton, Hammer, Burton. Um, they're back on it again. Everyone's feeling good about it. They lose to Lincoln, you know, and, and they're horrible at Lincoln. And then the, the response to being horrible at Lincoln was to beat Cambridge 6-0. So everyone's like, well, you know, they're back on it again. And then off the back of that, they go and have a, a really awful draw at home to Accrington. 
and then have a dour draw at Gillingham and everyone's moaning again. And then they go and beat Cheltenham 4-1. So it was, it was, it was, it was that kind of season all the way. You know, just as Wednesday fans think they're, they're rolling here, they're, they're moving, they're rocking in the right direction, they'd have a stinker, you know, an absolute stinker of a result or a couple of results and everyone would be doubting them again. And then just as you're thinking this is all going to go to pot, the manager's under pressure, the players are under pressure, they'd, they'd, they'd hammer somebody. And, you know, what, what, what on earth are they going to get in the playoffs? Nobody knows. You know, it really could be anything. As I said, if Wednesday just went and hammered Sunderland, it, it wouldn't be a surprise. That's nothing about Sunderland either. That's just, it's just the way Wednesday's season be, has been. If Wednesday completely lay an egg in these playoff semifinals and get and, and get the backsides kicked, it equally won't be that much of a surprise, really. It, it's it's that kind of season for them. Yeah, yeah, and again, it, you know, a lot of what you said there mirrors what's happened with Sunderland this season. Exactly when we thought, you know, we've been, we were top of the league after beating you five 0 then went on a bad run, and we were we were impacted by COVID after that, and and yeah, it's been kind of stop start. But but it's funny in that both teams kind of hit that really good run of form about the same time. I mean, uh, you know, similar to, to, to Sunderland um, in respect of our running, uh, we were unbeaten in 13 and Sheffield Wednesday won six of the last eight to, to confirm that that playoff place. Um, and if I kind of look at the Sunderland run, um, we've been almost like a bit of a machine where we, we haven't been blowing things away at all. Um, some of them have been slugs, some of them have been late goals. But it seems like Alex Neal's just instilled this kind of mentality that we just we know how to win and we know how to get the result within the the ninety minutes or the ninety five minutes, however long it's it's going to take. So, I mean, looking at Sheffield Wednesday's run in that final stretch of the season, I mean, how impressive have they been? Is has that been grinding out results or have they been really impressive? No, um, it's it's very different. I w- I would suggest that. Um... That's probably bad news for Sheffield Wednesday, but you never know because it's a playoff game. If Sunderland have just found a way to get results, because that's not what Wednesday have been doing. I mean, to give you an example, um, you know, they they beat Wimbledon, who have obviously gone down, thanks to a last-minute goal from Lee Gregory and to get him out of jail a little bit there. They then go and hammer Bolton, but then give a last, a last kick of the game goal away themselves to draw 1-1. They then play the MK Dons, and for 45 minutes, they look like Real Madrid. You know, they've sc- Bannon's got goal of the season. Obviously, everyone's seen that. Yeah, I saw that. Um, they, they look they look fantastic. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be humorous by saying they look like Real Madrid, but they they, they looked really strong. Three three nil up or three one up or whatever it was, um, and they let MK Dons back into it. You know, they, they gave a goal away. Scott Twine's banging a you know a wonderful free kick in stoppage time. And for a couple of minutes there, you know, if that game had gone on for five minutes more, you wouldn't have been against the MK Dons getting an equaliser. Mm-hmm. So that's so that was that game. They then play Crew, and it's Crew, and they uh, they only win the game thanks to a, a second half penalty. You know, they've they've had a whole bunch of chances at the start of that game, and you know, I wouldn't say that they ground that result out as as if they just did, did enough to get the job done on the day. It wasn't a an impressive performance. They then go to Wickham. And they didn't do anything in the second half at Wickham. I mean, you, you, that was a game going into it at Wickham where if Wednesday had won that game and Rotherham and MK Dons had dropped points, Wednesday would have been thinking, we've got a chance at the top two here. And by the end of the day, they were seventh. You know, they were out of the playoffs and they were they were poor against Wickham, very poor. They played Fleetwood. First five minutes, one nil up, looking great. They then give two goals to, to, to Fleetwood and the two one down at halftime. And I think for about 20 minutes in that second half at Fleetwood, you're thinking Wednesday could play all night here and they're not going to get a goal against a struggling Fleetwood team. They looked average. They looked like they didn't have any ideas. They didn't really know how to, to break through the red wall that Fleetwood were creating. And then in 45 seconds, they scored two goals. You know, Lee, Lee Gregory heads one in from close range. They kick off. He wins the ball back seconds out. I mean, the ball is just played back to a defender. Lee Gregory's just run straight to the defender, nicked it off him and banged in one from 20 yards. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, I was commentating on that. I've never seen anything like that where a goal goes in and then another goal is scored so quickly after. And from being thinking, Wednesday are going to be going into the final day of the season in seventh, relying on results elsewhere to get into the playoffs. Suddenly it was in their own hands because of, because of 45 seconds of brilliance from Lee Gregory. So they get out of jail a bit there. And then against Portsmouth, 
big game, sell-out crowd. Hillsborough's full, fantastic atmosphere, real buzz around the place going into that game. Sunshine, and it just had a, an amazing feel to everything about that. Four minutes into the game, they're 1-0 down. And George Hurst, whose dad was obviously a legend at Wednesday, there's a bit of bad blood between yeah. the, the Hurst and Sheffield Wednesday's owner. And, you know, it was a storyline to be written. But Wednesday, it's Wednesday's day, really, to get into the playoffs. And the five minutes in, they're 1-0 down and, and toiling and struggling. And yet, for the next 70 minutes, they blew Portsmouth away. That could have been five, six, seven in the second half. So... They're not a team that's grinding results out. They're a team that, when they're on it, and they might be on it for 90 minutes, they might be on it for 20 minutes, they might be on it for a half. When they're on it, they're, as, you know, they're, they're the best team in the league. When they're off it, they look pretty average, really. And, you know, which Wednesday are you going to get? And, and the, the problem, I suppose, will be a little bit of a concern, is that Barry Bannon picked up a little bit of a knock. I think he's going to be fine. I, I wouldn't worry too. I mean... I think you'd have to, Bannon's legs would have to fall off for him not to to play in this game, um, but but it's it's a little bit of concern that he pulled up. Is he a hundred percent? Is he going to be anywhere close to a hundred percent? Can he play two games in what is essentially four days? Uh, at high intensity playoff semi final rate um, without him and you know, connecting with Luongo and, and Byers in midfield and Gregory up top and possibly Josh Windass, who's back now, that would be a huge loss. But um, yeah, I mean, if you said to me, what what can Sunderland fans expect from Sheffield Wednesday? I'd say, I've got absolutely no idea. You know, we'll have to wait and see, but it could be anything. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and and actually, well, taking this kind of subject um, <laughs> and looking at the two games played between the two sides this season, because... They're interesting in the fact that actually I'm not sure how much if you can take anything at all out of those two games. I mean, I think you've already mentioned them. You know, back in early November, Sheffield Wednesday ran out, you know, easy three 0 winners in a game that I was at. Um, I left with my son with about half an hour to go in that game, but uh, but that was a third straight defeat under Lee Johnson during a period where we forgot how to defend. Um, we got beat a five one at Rotherham three days earlier, um, and then. Like you said, just before the New Year, Sunderland won 5 0 at the stadium light, where I'm informed by Sheffield Wednesday season ticket holders that I speak to that uh, they didn't have any first team defenders fit for the game and it was a completely different Sheffield Wednesday side. So, I mean, do we just completely disregard those games and assume that both teams are in a different place going into going into the playoffs? Yeah, I think we should disregard both of those games because it's, it's playoff football now, isn't it? You know, there's, the stakes are so much higher than a game in December and before December. Uh, you know, long before Christmas when the other one took place. You know, now it means something. You know, if you don't get through the semi-final, the season's over. I mean, I'd be very surprised if either team, I mean, I've just said that Sheffield Wednesday could win 3-0 or lose 3-0, but I, I don't know. I partly thinks it's just, it's unlikely to be a steamroller by one team or the other. Uh, I, I suspect that both teams, the, the cagey games, these, you know, I can remember the, the, the other times that Sheffield Wednesday have been in the playoffs They've always been very cagey occasions. I can't say that anything about the Stadium of Light game because I set off to go there and then the M1 shut. Uh, there, was a, there was an accident. A car was coming the wrong way on the M1. Very sadly, somebody died um, in, in that accident. But we were, we were sat, I was sat on the M, in the car on the M1 for about five hours um, with a bunch of Sheffield Wednesday fans and who were trying to get to the Stadium of Light. And... The game kicked off as I was being let through to turn back around and come back to Sheffield. Um, so I don't know anything about that game. I do know that by the time I got back to the studio, and bear in mind that was only about 20 minutes away, I think Sheffield Wednesday were 4-0 down at the time. So it goes to speak to what the what happened in that game. Um, and, and that's right, you know, they had a lot of injuries, absentees because of the COVID situation, what was going on there. Um, I don't know, I'm fascinated by this game. You know, I, I guess I part, part of it wants... Would have, would have loved it to have been Sunderland and Sheffield Wednesday at Wembley because that would have just been an, an immense final. You know, and two historical clubs, big fan bases, desperate to get moving in the right direction. It would have been tense. It would have been passionate. It would have been emotional. Um, I can only imagine what that... I mean, where, I've, I've been to Wembley loads of times, you know, with all of the clubs around here. And, and I hope if any of the clubs... Any of the fans, any of the other clubs around here won't take offence to this, but I've said it on the radio, so I'll say it on here. 
And, I, and look, I'm an England travel club member and I, I was at the Euros for the Germany game. I was at the Euros for the Denmark game. Um, I've never seen an atmosphere at Hill uh, to Wembley like when Sheffield Wednesday were there in 2016. The fans just, that stadium is not good for atmosphere and they were unbelievable. For minute one to 90, it was just noise, noise, consistent chanting, singing, backing of the players. Steve Bruce said after the game, I thought we were, that Hull were going to lose that game because the Wednesday fans were going to drag their team over the line. People like Henry Winter were tweeting afterwards saying it's the best atmosphere he's ever seen at a game. You know, it was unbelievable. And if you'd have just plonked, you know, 40,000 Sunderland fans across some of them doing exactly the same thing, then, you know, I think we, everyone should have just taken a moment sort of some point during the first half just to take it all in, you know, because it would have been really, really exciting. But, you know, what we are going to get is passionate Stadium of Light, passionate Hillsborough, you know, a, a, a raucous home crowd on both occasions. I, I think that's just going to be something to savour. And, um, you know, again, it'll be a, it'll be enjoyable. Um, I mean, less enjoyable for the fans of the team that don't win, but it'll be enjoyable for everybody to sort of experience that atmosphere. But it's also a crying shame that it has to be enjoyed in League One, you know, that, that the teams have, have put themselves in a position where they have to play in this final, uh, in this semi-final, because, you know, it's, it's preposterous really, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mentioned um, Sunderland's relationship with the, with the playoffs earlier. Um, you know, I'm sure we're the only side to be relegated in the playoffs on away goals and lost a penalty shootout against Charlton and then last minute goal against Charlton a couple of years ago. So we have our special um, relationship with the extension to the domestic season. Um, and Sheffield Wednesday won their first attempt back in 2005 when they beat Hartlepool, like we mentioned earlier on. Um, but you've also mentioned the, the, the recent kind of losses um, in the last two, 2016, 2017, to try and get up to the Premier League. So how are Wednesday fans viewing the upcoming ordeal of the playoffs? I don't think they have had enough bad experiences with the playoffs to really sort of fear them. Or, you know, I know there are some teams that really don't like them. I think Sheffield United's playoff history, their fans are a lot sort of more cautious of being in the playoffs. Um, but um, yeah, you know, Wednesday beat Hartlepool, and I think the, the the experience of beating Brighton in the semi-finals in 2016, and then and then losing to Hall, they didn't play well against Hall. So you know, I don't think any Wednesday fans had any complaints about that result. And then you know, the Huddersfield game was one that got away from them. You know, they were one nil up with about 15 minutes to go. They, um, you know, Huddersfield brought on Colin Connor and just sort of had him run down in behind the fullback on the. Wednesday's left-hand side and it, and it was as if they'd you know introduced Zinedine Zidane onto the pitch it was sort of a sudden he was unstoppable and he got a cross in I can't remember if it was an own goal or he'd scored or somebody somebody crossed it in an east I can't remember, whatever it was it was a scruffy goal they gave it away you know they chucked you know returned to Wembley away and then they lost on penalties and, and the thing that everybody remembers from that game is that Jordan Rhodes who they'd spent an absolute fortune on just a, a few months earlier didn't want to take a penalty um, so they had everybody else taking them except him. You know, he was the he was the big sort of record signing striker, and he didn't want to take a penalty. And he never kind of got over that in, in his Wednesday career. You know, that kind of stuck with him. Um, so that's that's their experience of it. I think if they were to lose in an agonising fashion in this playoff semi final, then or final, then uh, maybe Wednesday fans would view them a little bit differently because that would be three in a row where they haven't gone up. But you know, one out of four teams gets promoted, and. Uh, if if you Wednesday at the moment have a, a one win one loss record in the final, and I think if you have that kind of record in finals, then um, it's hard to be too sort of anxious about it. Or anxious pretty much sums up how Sunderland fans are at the minute with with the playoffs. But but I mean, you talked about the unpredictability of um, the the form of Sheffield Wednesday. But in terms of how they're set up, I was looking, and it looks like Darren Moore has a pretty kind of settled system. You know, three at the back, the wing backs. Barry Bannon controlling that midfield with, with two more kind of alongside him and, and, and two up top. I mean, it seems very predictable that he's going to set up that way because he, he seems to be kind of settled on that system. But, I mean, do you think he could have any tricks up his sleeve in terms of how they're going to set up against Sunderland? No, I imagine it'd be very similar to what he's been doing. Um, a back three, it, it's a case of who's fit and who could play. You know, is Harley Dean fit? If so, he, he maybe comes into that back three. Otherwise, it'd probably be the back three that have been playing recently. Story Hutchinson and Palmer, you know, Hunt and Johnson are very good wing backs. I think they've been as, as important to Wednesday as anybody. They make this kind of system work. 
Bayer's Bannon and Luongo are as good a midfield three as you'll find in this division. You know, all three of them could play in the next division. And, and then up front, Lee Gregory is, is on a rich vein of form at the moment. He's, he's scoring a lot of goals. And then it's just a question of who plays alongside him. Darren Moore, he does like to chop and change things. So it wouldn't be the total surprise if one of the defenders changed. Maybe he dropped Berrino and put uh, Patterson on up front or Josh Windass was fit enough to play, you know, chuck him on, although I'm not sure whether he's going to be in a position to start a game uh, or whether it be Mendes Lang or somebody like that who would end up playing up front. So he does like to chop and change and, he, you know, he uses the phrase horses for courses. I think a lot of Wednesday fans would rather just keep the same team um, for a stretch of games and, and there's no reason to change it after the Portsmouth game so I think it'd be better off just going with that um, but it, it will be a 3-5-2 they will use the wing backs and it is a system that does work for them Yeah, yeah and you, you mentioned Barry Bannon earlier on and mentioned that you know he, he should be fit for, for the games after taking that knock against Portsmouth I mean 12 assists this season I mean how important is he in that system that, that Sheffield Wednesday play? Well, absolutely imperative. It's also crucial when he does play that he plays further up the pitch. You know, and that's the one thing that Luongo and Baez enabled him to do, you know, to push on and really link up with the forwards. There were times this season when he was just too deep and he was playing like, I think remember the, the, the England-Northern Ireland game where Sven basically played Beckham as a quarterback and he was kind of just trying to spray passes all over the place. There's been a few too many games like that where Bannon's been too deep and he's been trying to do that. Really what you want him doing is connecting with the forwards, linking everything in the final third and being in a position where if there's nothing on, have a dig. And, you know, he scored a lot of goals um, because of, you know, being in the right kind of areas to have a shot. And, and he's, a, he's a terrific player. He's Wednesday's talisman. Um, he is absolutely desperate to get Wednesday up. He's playing with a bit between his teeth. He is as determined as anybody to make this happen. And, um, you know, he, he will get into the players if they're not doing what he, what he thinks they should be. He does lead in that way. Um, he is essentially Mr. Sheffield Wednesday. So he will be absolutely crucial to their chances of winning this, this semi-final. Yeah, because I mean, looking at Barry Bannon's kind of the obvious one, but if Alex Neal's done his homework on Sheffield Wednesday, I mean, where do you think he'll be looking to, to get at this Wednesday side? And where do you think the kind of the danger is going to come from? You mentioned the wing backs, but is that is that where all kind of the, the attack and play comes from? Is it always put out wide from for Sheffield Wednesday? Yeah, I think it's, you know, the wide areas they'll have to be wary of Johnston and, and Hunt. They like to get forward. You know, it, it's not happened so much recently, but in, in when they've been at their best, you've seen them getting into the box late and they've been supporting the front too. You know, there's wing backs getting up and down the pitch and, and they can be a real threat there. Um, I mean, if he's done his homework, what he'll have is a series of set pieces whereby, you know, he can test Sheffield Wednesday at the back because that is the one thing they've consistently all season they've not been able to do is defend a headed set piece. So, crosses into the box and set pieces, corners, free kicks. That has been Wednesday's Achilles heel in a lot of games. So that that would be an area where I think any team could have a lot of success against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, but, you know, they are a tough team to stop. When they get going, it's it's there's not really that much you can do because Bannon's not a, a League One player and Byers and Luongo are not League One players. Hunt and Johnson are not League One players. And with Gregory in the kind of form that he's in, um, they have somebody who can get a goal. So when they're at the best, they're a tough team to stop. Yeah, yeah. well, that's it. And, and looking at the form of the two sides home and away this season, I mean, very similar records home and away. Obviously, we're finished kind of right next to each other in the in the division. Um, but it's the best two home records in the division this year. Wednesday, um, two points better off over the 23 played at, at Hillsborough. And the away form is almost identical. Sunderland gaining just a point more on the road this season. Um, so taking into account how good each side are at home, do you think it's going to be a tall order for Sunderland if we don't take a lead into that second leg? And do you think that's going to influence Darren Moore maybe trying to keep it more tight on Friday night? That's a good point. I mean, I, th I think if, if certainly Sheffield Wednesday get anything out of this this Friday leg, you know, if they come away with a draw or a lead, then I think it'd be quite hard to stop them because Hillsborough will be rocking. You know, it'll be intense. I've not personally been in the Stadium of Light for a game like this, you know, a semi-final or, a, you know, a huge cup game or a big league game in the Premier League or anything. So I can't speak to what that's like. I can imagine what it's like. So I've been at many games and the Sunderland fans have delivered a great atmosphere away from home. Um, I can tell you that Hillsborough, for a big game like this, I've been at all of Sheffield Wednesday's semi-finals and the playoffs and it, it makes the hair stand on the back of your neck. You know, the atmosphere that they create is, is pretty special. So I think if... Sunderland have to go into that kind of atmosphere chasing the game. It could be tough. 
But I also think, I think Wednesday have struggled a little bit more when they played teams who just want to spoil. You know, if they just want to put teams behind them, if teams who just put everyone behind the ball and frustrate them and niggly and not much fun to play against, they found it hard to break those teams down. It, they, they kind of prefer, I think, teams who are going to have a bit of a go, you know, and, and come on. So as much as Wednesday might be a little bit cautious in the first leg, it, it might be the worst thing in the world for Sunderland not to be gung-ho in that first leg, unless, you know, I say that now, if they're 3-0 up after the first leg, then what a load of nonsense that was. But, you know, keeping it tight, you know, getting some kind of a, you know, maybe nicking it 1-0 at home, and then going to, to Hillsborough with a lead to protect and trying to frustrate Wednesday might be the best thing to do. Um, because if they come out at, at home and have a go at Wednesday, Wednesday can actually have got the quality to sort of go toe-to-toe in that kind of situation. And that's what that's when they, it could go badly for Sunderland. So I don't know. You know, it's it, it's a hard one to call, really. It's a, I wouldn't want to put a fiver on this because uh, I can imagine both teams getting through. But... Um, I think Wednesday's worst opponents in the playoffs would have been Wickham because they're just they're the master of the dark art. I hate watching Wickham play. I think they're, they're a joyless team to watch when they... I've seen them play for a nil-nil and play for a one-nil and I, and I really just wanted to get down on the pitch myself and start giving their effort, you know, a shoe-in <laughs> for, for not shifting things along a bit here because he just indulged yeah. Wickham's time-wasting and all of that. Um, I think that would have been a terrible opponent for Wednesday in the semis uh, to play. I think MK Dons would have been the ideal for them to play. And I think Sunderland's kind of somewhere in between. And if you're saying they're grinding out results at the moment and just getting the job done, that might be a a warning sign for Sheffield Wednesday. Because I think they do like to play those teams that like to play football, have a bit of a go. You know, their main strength is maybe their attacking prowess. And if Sunderland have found a way to be economical, let, let's say, or, you know, functional functional as a team, that could be could be an issue. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. What, what How you've described it there it is exactly how I've got it in my mind that Alex Neil will be thinking because we're, we're not, um, you know, he's completely changed the, the ethos from under Lee Johnson where we were all out attack and piling players forward. Um, he's he's very organised. He gets them very organised. And I think exactly what you said, I think he'll be looking to keep the game really controlled on Friday night, get that one goal and then go to Hillsborough and just just kind of defend that one goal because he, he knows how to organise a team. You can see that and what he's done with us over over the, the few months he's been in charge. Um, so I, I I actually think that it will be his... Um, his his kind of game plan for for the both games just get nick that lead take that to Hillsborough and just kind of really make us organised and kind of spoil the game down there. But uh, but you've said that. I mean, it, I mean, do you think? Uh, I mean, is that really how, how you think it'll play out? And do you think Darren Moore will play into that a little bit, or do you think he'll try and surprise us and maybe be up more on the front foot on Friday? Or do you think it's just the lottery of the playoffs and it's just whoever turns up? I just don't know. I mean, I've seen some, so many of these playoff games where, you know, the ebb and flow. I mean, I, I, I was working I was working in Hull last year and, um, you know, one of the teams, because the patch covers Lincolnshire, so that we cover Lincoln City on in that patch as well. So I, you know, was 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 at Wembley for the League One playoff final last year covering Lincoln. And I remember watching the two legs against Sunderland in the semis. And, you know, in that, in that second leg, I mean, it, it looked like both teams you know, took turns to have momentum. Both teams looked like they were going to go and win it. I mean, it, it was sort of so back and forth. Um, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if this ends up being something similar, but it equally wouldn't surprise me if what you say, you know, is if some of the things, we'll keep it tight, you know, we'll frustrate Wednesday a little bit here. And Wednesday go to, to, to Sunderland and say, we're happy to go back to Hillsborough to make it a one-off game with it being like nil-nil or one-one or something like that. And it could cancel each other out. But then I also, from Alex Neal's point of view, I would imagine that if when when that when those players, and it may even if it's not even intended, if you're a Sunderland player and you've got forty thousand or whatever roaring you on, you know, trying to get you over the line, it, it can impact a game. You know, however much your intention might be to spoil, you know, when you're back like that, and if they get an early goal or something, it can just sort of carry you. So, you know, it's all of a sudden. The, the game changes, even if you're intending to keep it tight. And, and maybe as a manager, Alex Neal thinks, well, look, we've got all these fans here. I don't want to come play, you know, essentially a boring game of football. I want to give them some something to get behind. I want to get them on our side. I want to try and take advantage of this atmosphere 
in Sunderland. So I, d- I don't know. It's it's a really difficult one to call. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if if it was tight. It wouldn't surprise me if Sunderland won two nil or three nil, and then Wednesday equally won two or three nil at Hillsborough and it went to extra time. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if. Um, you know, Wednesday won three one at Sunderland, and Sunderland won three one at Hillsborough. I mean, it, it really would. It, nothing will surprise me. I say I wouldn't want to put money on it because I think it's a it's a fascinating playoff semi final that could probably go either way. Yeah, it is. It is, and um, I think you mentioned about forty thousand. I think that was the the latest number when I looked how many tickets were were sold for the sorry for the for the first leg. And I know from speaking to people down here that there's a clamour to get tickets for both legs from a Wednesday fan's point of view. Um, but with the size of the two clubs involved, it already has that buzz that it's going to be two massive games coming up. And it's huge for both clubs because they, they shouldn't be at this level. Yeah, I mean, well, they shouldn't be, but it, they shouldn't be because of the way they've been run, I think. You know, it, it's. It, I think you are what you are to an extent. And, and Wednesday deserve to be in this level, as do Sunderland, because they are in that level. It's, it's a case of now... They've got to, you know, the people who are in, responsible for both football clubs have got to get them back to 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 the kind of natural habitat of where they should be. You know, to see some of the clubs that are in the Premier League and in the Championship, it goes to show that sometimes you don't have to be the biggest or the biggest fan base. You just have to the right. You just have to have the right plan in place. You have to have the right people making the right decisions at your football club. You have to, you you know, and and if you can get that right, then you will have success. It's not rocket science. Um, I think sometimes clubs try and make it more complicated than it is, and uh, and with Wednesday and Sunderland, yeah, they'll, they'll be desperate to get back. You know, absolutely desperate. And and I think there'll be a lot of fans who are, you know, I think a lot of neutral fans will watch this. I think this is the kind of I'm 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 not necessarily. I mean, I love football. I'm not necessarily sure that if I wasn't if if one of our clubs wasn't involved, that I'm, I'm not sure I'd watch MK Dons versus Wickham. But I would definitely watch. Some the equivalent of Sunderland versus Sheffield Wednesday. If I wasn't going to be at the stadium a light on the telly, I'd stick it on because you just think, wow, you know, what a game! You know, two big clubs, great atmosphere. Which way is this going to go? There'll be fans of you know the Everton fans and the, and the sort of the West Ham fans and the Tottenham fans all like think oh, I remember playing them in the Premier League and you know they'll they'll sort of reminisce about that a little bit. I, I imagine Twitter there'll be a lot of can you look you know people will be talking on Twitter it'll be trending a little bit about you know, non-Sunderland and Wednesday fans reflecting on how on earth this is a League One playoff semi, but it is. And the key is for not just for one of these teams to get to Wembley, but it's then to, to win at Wembley and, and get up and, and start the path, the journey back. Um, I know speaking from Wednesday's experience, it's, it's been a pretty miserable 20 years. Uh, and, you know, there's a whole generation of fans who've never seen anything remotely close to any kind of relative success. They've They've, they've seen Sheffield United get into the Premier League a couple of times and played the Liverpools, the Man U's, the Arsenal's. They've never got anywhere close to that apart from that one playoff final. So from a Wednesday fan's perspective, I, you know, I, I think they deserve a lot more than they've had. And I, and I think Sunderland fans, Sunderland have had a you know, much greater run in the Premier League, but then they had the collapse, uh, which was reminiscent of Wednesday's collapse when they got relegated from the Premier League. Um, you know, a terrific fan base who who deserve to 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 have their team run properly and, and moving in the right direction. So, hopefully, that will happen for both clubs in the future. Although one of them is going to be uh, be be preparing for that trip to Forest Green next year. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a long journey, isn't it? But uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think you might have mentioned it, but I assume you're on duty for for both games in terms of coverage. Yeah, really looking forward to to both games. Um, you know, these these are the kind of games that you, essentially the job is, is is perfect for. You know, you there are a lot of games that you go to. You know, for example, three games against Wickham this year um, that you just instantly forgettable. You actually get back in the car afterwards and you think, "Wow, what have I just watched?" But then it's all building up to a game like this. You know, when you go and watch a game like this, whether you're a journalist or as a fan or whatever. You know, it's the type of game that someone offered me a ticket for it. I'd, I'd, I'd love to, you know, go and go as a neutral and just go and watch the game because um, I think it's it's a fantastic occasion. And and I just hope that um, it, it lives up to expectation because uh, it could be could be something special. But um, who knows? But it, uh, the problem is, of course, that one set of fans are going to be bitterly disappointed at the end. So we'll uh, we get to find out who that's going to be. Yeah, well, I think it's going to be two huge nights and I think there's going to be some nails bitten across uh, across the two games but uh, but I hope uh, 
you really enjoy the atmosphere for both games. Thanks very much for, for joining us, Rob, and taking the time out for us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, if neither side make it, we can maybe catch up again next season. Yeah, absolutely. Can I just tell a quick story? I'm very much looking forward to going into the press room at the Stadium of Flight because the uh, last time I was there, um, one of the local newspaper journalists, Dom Housen, who, who works for Yorkshire Live, uh, went into the press room. I was there with John Newsom, the former Sheffield Wednesday defender. We sat down. They they got a, you know, a, 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 some food on for the press. Dom sat down with a huge plate of food. And uh, John Newsom said to him, what have you got there, Dom? And he went, I've got a chicken chowser. <laughs> it was a chicken chasseur. <laughs> and uh, that is one of my favourite uh, favorite moments, sort of following Sheffield Wednesday around, and he called it a chicken chowser. Um, and I always have to mention that whenever Sheffield Wednesday are playing Sunderland, so I've got it in right at the end. <laughs> I'm not sure, not sure what food will be on for the playoffs. It might, it's a night game, so it might be a pie and pea supper. You never know. But yeah, yeah any, Anything will do. Maybe another chowsy, you never know. <laughs> but yeah, I hope you enjoy the trip up and uh, I hope you enjoy both games. I'm sure they're going to be absolute crackers, but uh, but enjoy, Rob. Cheers, pal. Thanks for the invite. Cheers. Nice one. And, and thanks again for everyone for listening. Uh, keep a look at Rock Report for all the build-up ahead of both games against Sheffield Wednesday and keep an eye out for the next pod that should be probably dropping between the two legs. Uh, but from us, it's bye for now. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.